ladies and gentlemen. Billy Hallowell and Chris Field. The Church Boys. Hello! That's right, you're listening to The Church Boys. We are the brand new podcast here, and we're trying to get things started. It's me, Chris Field. I should say it is I, Chris Field, here <laughs> with my friend uh, Billy Hallowell, the faith editor for uh, for The Blaze. Bill I? Hello, hello. I, I love that intro. I love that... Uh... Our friend Satan uh, introduces us. I think it's, I think it's great. It's it's yeah. You're gonna hear you're gonna hear Satan from time to time on this show. We like to bring him in because uh, we've decided to own him. And so let me he, retract our friend. I actually retra- <laughs> retract. Scribble that off. Let me cut our that out of here. Satan. We'll fix that in post. It's okay. <laughs> so this is a brand new little podcast Billy and I are throwing together. I'm Chris Field again, um, editor of the Blaze Magazine. Billy's our faith editor at the Blaze. And we decided, you know what? There's not enough crap on the air and uh, to listen to, so we thought, why don't we join our voices together and sound uh, extra ridiculous? And so we have brought this little show to you. It'll be a, I don't know, weekly-ish show, hoping to post it every Sunday afternoon, maybe more often. Who knows? Depends on what people think of it. But uh, you just... know, it's like, what else do you have to do on a Sunday but listen to the church boys? I know. Well, other right? than go to other than go to church. Uh, what and else then do you listen to, to the church boys. Right, that's right. So this is your, you know what, you plug this, you download this, it'll probably be available while you're in church. We'll have posted it. You can download it while you're in church. Just don't tell your pastor. You've got your little smartphone. You download it there, and then you play it in your car on the way home from church, okay? On your way to the buffet. You're on your way to the buffet. You go to the buffet. You get your dinner. And then on your way home to try to keep you awake because you got your full tum-tum from the buffet, you know. Uh, then you can listen to us on the way home. It's a, a little bit of ridiculous, actually a lot of bit of ridiculous and a little bit of serious stuff. We're going to talk about faith, family, culture, all sorts of other stuff. And uh, and uh, so that's kind of the gist of the show uh, in a nutshell. Billy, anything to add? Yeah, no, I think comedy, right? Serious things, as you said. We, we have to be serious. I mean, there's so much serious stuff going on, but we can laugh and we can be fun. And I think that's the... That's what you're going to get with the church boys, and a little bit of, as we mentioned, a little bit of Satan in the mix, um, as you heard. So, <laughs> just a little Satan in the mix. We're throwing a little Satan a little in there, but um, it's going to be. We're, we are going to have fun. We are going to be a little bit irreverent, and uh, and we might be a little bit offensive. Some of you might find what we do offensive, and we'd apologize for that if we were sorry. But you don't want us to be liars and be offensive. <laughs> so we'll just go ahead and be offensive, and we won't apologize for it. Uh, but we will always tell what we believe to be the truth. And, uh, Absolutely. And that's, that's what we do. Billy and I have become friends over the years working for The Blaze, and uh, I love him like a brother. Uh, he loves me like a lover, but um, that's just not how we play this game around here. <laughs> so, Billy, well. 
is there, is there, is there some place, there's a whole slew of stories that you sent me, and, and frankly, I didn't read any of them, nor do I ever really listen to or read your emails. I just saw a bunch of links and started clicking and saving. What would you like to start with today, my friend? Well, listen, I mean, I think we have to start with France, right? I mean, where, where else do you start in the past week but, but France? And uh, it's been sort of fascinating. It's crazy to look at what has been going on there and the reaction. I mean, the reaction uh, last weekend with four, up to four million people in the streets, taken to the streets, a lot of people saying it wasn't a protest, but, but I think it absolutely was. It was a protest against uh, radical Islam, against the terror attack there. Uh, and it's also been interesting to watch the U.S. response to that. Well, what did you what did you think? What did you think when you saw that the president, nobody from the administration was there? I, what, did that bother you? What what did, we saw a whole bunch of reaction online. We saw a bunch of people on television because they're paid to have this horrible this this reaction one way or the other. Super support for the president and his choice to not be there, or super criticism of the president and his choice not to be there. What was your thought? My initial reaction was, okay, this is a little bit, it's a little weird, right? But then, I mean, some of the critiques are interesting that the U.S. has continuously had its face, you know, in, in all these Middle Eastern affairs. And whenever it comes to terrorism, America is sort of right there, that maybe it was a good thing that Obama didn't show up. Maybe it was a good thing that he wasn't there. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, when you've got, you know, all of these world leaders at the front of this line linking arms, you've got people who would never want to be in the same room coming together. Uh, I think we probably should have had a bigger presence there, and and so I don't know what. Listen, like you said, talking heads are going to go out there and they're going to they're going to yell about something. But I do think that there is a legitimate criticism for why we didn't have a bigger presence there. And and I you know I uh, this is this was my thought when uh, my initial thought because frankly, and anybody knows me and has listened to, to me on radio before or read my Facebook pages or anything that I've written for the magazine or any other organizations I've worked with, this was probably my initial reaction, whether it was right or wrong. <laughs> and that's just kind of how I felt, and I think that's how a lot of Americans felt. I mean, you saw a bunch of like even Jake Tapper. Jake Tapper, who doesn't say anything you know, critical of people because he's a professional journalist, came out and said something about being embarrassed about the by the administration, didn't he? I mean, wasn't that Tapper yeah. that was... That, I yeah, well, no, he, he, what, what Tapper said was a little more measured. It was Greta Van Susteren who used the word embarrassed, that she came out and said this is embarrassing for Americans. And I think, you know, listen, I think it is because this is a time when you really have a lot of unity around people saying, and not just, you know, when 9-11 happened, it was Americans who came together, and you had a lot of people outside of the country too. But but I think this event, for a lot of people, maybe not maybe not Americans because we've, we've faced this before, I think was sort of a wake-up call and I think it would have been appropriate to, to, you know, have somebody there to represent Americans. And while while I did think it was somewhat embarrassing, it really wasn't all that surprising, which I think is, is a little bit sad. Yeah. And that's and that's the outlandish thing, right? It's like I don't frankly, I'm way more into substance than I am symbolism. Right. There's something to be said for symbolism. There's something to be said for the president being there at the event. But there's a big part of me that says who gives a flying crap? Because in a, in three months, nobody's going to remember. Or in three months, our our attention span is so so uh, out of whack, and we are so incapable of having of paying attention to anything any longer than my four year old son can. Right? In three months, people aren't even going to be talking about the Paris attacks for the most part. I think. I mean, just, just that's been our that's been our mo for the last well. 
13 years about like after 9-11 now everybody's like well this this we just kind of become callous to it all and so i think that people aren't going to be talking about that much and they certainly are going to be talking about the fact that the president wasn't there i think overall it doesn't really matter no i think it doesn't in the moment you're kind of like uh i wish we had that representation i think you're right though listen we're going to move on to the next crisis were we not just panicking about a plane uh, that went down, and then we were panicking about Ebola. I mean, you can go down the list of things that we panic about, and every other week, it seems like there's like a 17-day cycle on all of these yep. things, and and that's pushing it. Right. No, and here's and here's where I'm really bothered by the critique of the president on whether or not he went. Again, I think we should have had somebody there. You know, my my gut reaction. Yeah, we should have somebody there. Is it life or death that we didn't? Probably not. Does it send a bad message to our enemies? Yeah, and maybe that leads to a life or death situation, right? If it sends that bad message to our enemies, I can under Okay, I get the whole argument. I get it. I totally get it. However, we have allowed that to step in front of the issue of there were friggin' terrorist attacks in France less than a week ago. And now what are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that nobody from the administration was standing, walking arm in arm with that little troll, Angela Merkel. Walking down the streets of Paris. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, listen. Well, I shouldn't call her. I shouldn't call her a troll, but because I don't, I don't know her personally. I don't, I don't mean that as a character assassination. I'm, I'm being blunt and I'm critiquing someone's appearance, which is something I try not to do, right? No, I'm laughing because I'm picturing the Rust trolls. Do you remember those things with the crazy hair? <laughs> and she looks nothing like that. But I just all I can picture now is a Rust troll walking down the streets of Paris um, with but, a giant belly button hanging. But, out. but, but that's it, where that's where our focus is now. Now we're now we're talking about. I can't believe the administration wasn't walking arm in arm with Angela Merkel and you know Abbas and Netanyahu. I mean, and and the best thing about that little protest march was Netanyahu and Abbas were both in it, right? I mean, that was probably the best right. symbolism of, of all of it. Right. But forget that. It's just symbolism, right? Don't let that step in front of the fact that less than a week ago, these people were murdered by Islamo-crazies simply for pushing out their their belief system, for talking about, for using free speech, which is supposed to exist in France. But also, I think, no, absolutely, and I do think we should be a little bit concerned. I, I have an issue when people can't, it's all about rhetoric, right, and, yes. and changing the meaning of things, and it really annoys me when people do that. When someone asks Eric Holder a question and they, they ask about radical Islam and radical extremism, the answer should be yes, this was radical Islam. I don't understand why we cannot answer that question, because when you read the responses that Eric Holder gave, um, last Sunday to w- you know what this attack was, they basically are admitting that it's Islamic extremism, but he's sort of trying to dance around it. Nobody is saying that every Muslim is a terrorist. That's not what people are saying when they admit that there's Islamic extremism. They're saying what it is. This is Islamic extremism. So right. I've just been a little bit concerned about that, and I think there, need, there does need to be a little bit more focus on the rhetoric. I don't think toning down the rhetoric, not that I don't, listen, I don't think world leaders should go out there with, with crazy rhetoric trying to incite people, but I don't know that the approach the administration is taking is actually helping. Right. And and again, I think that if you want to go out and march, march. But what's amazing is, and I don't know, I, and I haven't watched enough of the coverage of that march to know how far they went, where they went, whatever, right? It's a fairly spontaneous event from what I gather, right? Spontaneous as far as anything that government does in the less than about two months would be spontaneous, right? <laughs> if it takes them less than two months to put it together, it's it's for government, it's spontaneous. But I think that they did do it fairly spontaneously. Netanyahu was able to get there. The president could have gotten there if he'd have wanted to. He didn't want to. And that's the fact. 
The president simply didn't want to be there. And that's fine. That's his prerogative. And it's our prerogative to criticize him for it if we think it's worthy of criticism. The president didn't want to be there. He could have if he'd have wanted to, and he didn't. And that's fine. That's that's his point. But that's his that's his prerogative. And maybe he had a reason. Listen, maybe there's a reason that we're not seeing. You know, it's I do think conservatives and liberals both do this on their own side. They seize the minute there's an opportunity to seize. Everybody sort of seizes, and it's like, well, is that what you should be doing? Not only as a rational human being, but if you're a Christian, let's say, or a person, should you be seizing on people just for the purpose of seizing on them? And I think the answer to that is no. When there's a reason to seize, you seize. And I think. Um, you know, in this case, we, we don't know all the details. It was uncomfortable. I wish we had more representation. But like you said, it really, in the end, doesn't matter. No, and it doesn't matter. And, I, and again, what I was going to point out was I don't have any idea how far they marched. They have, might have marched half a block. All I ever saw <laughs> was a few close-up pictures of this chain of people walking down the street. I don't know how far they walked. How, do, now, how far do four million people walk? Like, I'm trying to. I don't have any march in a group that. Big. I mean, the the four million people by itself is going to be super long anyway. So then they're going to march a block? I don't have any idea. And not that that really matters overall, except for the fact that it points to the idea of symbolism over substance. And the substance ought to be, we are going to kill Islamic crazies who try to kill us. And we are going to st- we're going to put out the word to the rest of the world, you don't act this way in civilized society. But anyway, yeah. speaking of civilized, we got to take a little break and we'll be, we will be right back as soon as I get to the bumper. You know, this is our first show. Can you tell? This is our first show. I'm going <laughs> to hit here. And and we'll take a break right about now. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. And thank you, Satan. It is us. It is we, it is me and Belai, Hallowell. Uh, we're the Church Boys. We're back here on your little podcasting device, whatever it is you listen to, whether it's on your computer, your iPad, your iPhone, or maybe you pick us up through Rabbit Ear somehow, somewhere. Or maybe you're listening as a space alien and you're picking up a broadcast from some faint signal that has gone out into the universe. We are glad you're here and we want you to know that we will be here for at least the next, I don't know, 20 minutes until they pull the plug on us and then we'll see if we can do another one. Uh, Billy. Anything else you want to do with deal with France? We just finished talking about France. What would you like to go to next? Okay, so next, I think we're going to go a little later now. Let's okay. let's tone it down a little bit. Let's talk about football. Oh, all right. Okay? Now, I okay. love football. Well, okay, so and I love these studies because they come out and you're sort of like, okay, is this a hundred percent true? Is this accurate? Meaning, are people answering properly? Um, and I don't know, but but this is a fun one. Basically, churchgoers, about a thousand churchgoers, they were asked if they were given a choice between you know going to church or watching football, what would they choose? And they were actually given this specific line. And the line reads, "I would skip a weekly worship service to watch my favorite football team." And then they were you know asked to either agree or disagree. And the fascinating part about this is that eighty three percent of churchgoers actually said that they would choose church over watching football. Um, now, now listen, and, and I'm gonna. This is where I'm going to just step in and say some people might not be telling the truth. They might not realize it, but but they might not be telling the truth. Meaning that they may be overcompensating, and and maybe they have missed church for football. I don't know. What, what do you think? You know, I'm um, I'm a huge football fan, as you know. In fact, I coach football here at the local high school, and uh, I'm. You will not find a bigger football fan than I. Uh, 
But no, I you know if you were to ask me that question, it doesn't matter who's taking the survey. I'd say I would I would not skip church to watch football because for, for multiple reasons. One, I'm a regular church attender. It's, a, it's an important thing for my life. These and I would suppose that people it's it's among they ask church goers. These are people who are already defaulting to church going right. So, right. but for me personally, I would say no. I'm not going to skip church to watch a football game for a multitude of reasons. One, I have a DVR. Right, as long as I don't find out the score, it doesn't matter. I can fast forward the commercials. It's like watching a live game. It doesn't really matter to me, right? And in the whole scope of things, what's it going to matter a hundred years from now is how I deal with a lot of things in life. And I'm guessing that what I get out of the church service that I'm attending is going to matter more to me in a hundred years than the football game. Now, all that said, when I look at this study, you and I were talking about this earlier, and you've looked at the statistics, and I have it the the top lines that they have for the whole survey. You know when. Churchy Churcherton is asked a question by some religious uh, some religious organization. Would you would you skip church to watch a, a watch a football game? Most of them are going to say no by default, right? Because that's I can't look bad to other Churchy Churchertons. You know, I want to be you know the good church going person, whatever. And the other thing is, eighty three percent. You said eighty three percent said they wouldn't they wouldn't skip church, but you know half of those at least are female, right? And so most of them aren't going to be going aren't going to skip church to watch a football game anyway. I mean, they're le- far less likely, right? Yeah, no, it, I mean, more men were willing, and, and they had a male versus female breakdown, and, and when they were asked the question, uh, 22% of men versus 10% of women agreed with that statement so more that they than would two, skip church. More than two to one. Right. Right. And, which is not surprising. Now, what I love about this, though, the 15% of people who agreed with it, and they were like, you know what? We're churchgoers, but I would totally skip church, you know, for a football game. I thought, listen, I got to give him points for for honesty on that. Right. I don't, better, I don't agree, but I got to give him points. Better an honest sinner than a hypocritical Christian, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, these are these are always fun to look at. And again, you know, you don't you can't look at this and say, oh, you know, this is definitively true, you know, because I think it's just like I was saying to you earlier. Some people will say when they're asked when the last time they donated to charity was, they'll say, oh, you know, a month or two ago. But really, in reality. It ends up being like a year ago, and and they don't. It's not even that they're intentionally lying about it. They just sometimes things seem different in our minds than they actually are. And then there's the perception problem, which which you mentioned. Right, and and I think that that's a, a huge thing. But I think that you're right. I think that's something that we need to be more willing to give people a benefit of the doubt. I think on things that go on in their lives because who knows what they're going through and the things that they remember. Like I think you're. I think you're. Example is a very good example. One you and I were talking about earlier. Like, do you think you've given to this ch- charity in the last month or whatever? And this, well, yeah, I, I'm sure I have. And, well, if you look at your records, it's actually been longer than that. Because you want to give your studies on this. You want to give yourself a benefit of the doubt. What's that? They've done studies on that too, where they where they've gone and they've said, you know, and they've actually looked and they've examined the records after, and people have over assessed when the last time they gave was. And, and, you know, again, it's just in our minds, we're busy people. We assume that we gave when we, when we actually, you know, haven't done it for nine months. So I just think these are fun. And, and also, I mean, listen, nobody's going to say, oh, Chris Field, look what he wrote on this, because nobody know, knows the answers to the responses of these. They're private. But still, in the right. back of your head, you sort of think when you're answering these questions, well, I have to answer this way. Right. You know, so you do wonder how much of that is sort of in the mix here. Right, and I think that that's true of, I think that, I, and I don't know if pollsters take that into account with all of the polling that they do, but I think that's something that you gotta take into account is that people are gonna assume that the pollster has an answer they're looking for, right? Right. Regardless of, regardless of whether it's Gallup or Pew or is it Lifeway or whoever to put out this this poll, 
surely these people have an answer they're looking for. And, and you know, and and the pollsters being totally honest, no, I don't have a, something I'm looking for. It's just I'm asking you the question because I think it's an interesting story. But there's a presumption that that people have have an answer that's the right answer. Well, also consider the fact, too, right? You've got 78 some odd percent of Americans saying that they're Christians. They're not all living as Christians, probably. <laughs> Yeah, that's a you know what? That's an entire show unto itself, okay? We're gonna take a break real quick. We will be right back. Back to the church boys. And we are back. It is good to be back. It is I, Chris Field, with my friend Billy Hallowell. We are the church boys and uh, before I forget, I wanted to mention that you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thechurchboys. So if you want to check us out, things we're talking about, see our handsome pictures and some drawings that we put together, you can check us out again at facebook.com slash thechurchboys. Now, we just spent some time talking about something fairly ridiculous, Then that was, well, not ridiculous, I shouldn't say ridiculous, fairly fun, and that was the people who lied to pollsters about whether or not they would skip church to watch a football game. I'm saying they're lying. I don't think they're necessarily lying. They don't think they're lying. But So we're done with that, but I wanted to, um, Billy, you and I were talking over the break about what you wanted to go to next, and to the faith that I'll let you lead this charge. Uh, something about a fire chief lost his job over something he wrote. Is that right? Yeah, you know, this is one of those cases where you, you try to get all the details and you try to talk to everybody you can and you, you do that as a reporter in an effort to actually understand what happened and, and it's a tough case. Wait, 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 wait. Are you calling yourself a reporter? I just did. Can you believe it? I did. Oh, that's just disgusting. All right. You make me sick. <laughs> yeah, you try, you try to get the answers and in this case, I mean, I've talked with this, this Atlanta fire chief and he's actually no longer the Atlanta fire chief. He was fired. His name is Kelvin Cochran. And um, Kevin Cochran apparently uh, was accused of writing this book, and the book is called "Who Told You That You That You Are Naked," which is sort of a funny headline, like you know, funny title for a book until you realize <laughs> that it's actually about the Bible and yeah. Adam and Eve. And <laughs> right. I think it's a cool <laughs> it's like, title. What, what is this about? I think it's kind of um, cool if you know that if you know the story. I think that's a kind of a cool name for a book, right? Like. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Who told you that you are naked? But <laughs> anyway, so he he writes this book, and according to the city of Atlanta, he was fired because he didn't have permission to write the book. He wrote it without permission, published it. <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help it. I've got this whole soundboard here I have to use. Go ahead. You have to use it. So he's fired, and, and now what this fire chief claims is that he was actually fired because of his faith. And in this book... And if you go back a few months, there was controversy because when it came to light that he self-published this book, there was a whole section about homosexuality. Not a big section. I think it's about a half a page where he talks about homosexuality as something that is unnatural, that is not what God ordained, you know, pretty much what the Bible says um, about homosexuality. So he sure. writes about this in his book, and a lot of people get upset about it. They complain to the city, and that's when the city ends up taking action. But the important distinction here, again, is that the city claims he was fired not because of his religious beliefs on, on gay marriage and homosexuality, but because he didn't have the permission um, to write the book. So that's the overview. Now, is the permission a, a condition of his, of his employment? You have to, if you're going to work for us, if you're going to work for the city, our policy is you have to have permission to do this, or did they create that permission clause after this whole brouhaha? 
from what I understand, and and that's a that's a great question. From what I understand, what happened here is that he had to clear the book. I think any public official in a position like like his needed to clear any project like that with the Atlanta City Ethics Officer, and that woman's name is Nina Hickson. And he claims, though, and this is a really important detail, that, that Nina Hickson had given him verbal permission to write the book. He also claims that after the book came out in January of last year, that he provided the mayor's office with a copy of the book. So hmm. you, you sort of, now, now he could be lying, but if he's so telling this happened the truth. A, this happened a, a year ago. Right, well, the book came out quite a bit ago. Um, and the controversy didn't really get drummed up till a few months ago when people realized there was this section about homosexuality in the book. Okay, so Little Miss Nina, the ethics officer, did he, you say he uh, he talked to her on the phone and got verbal confirmation from her that it was okay to do? Yeah, I don't know if he met with her or if he talked to her on the phone, but he claims he had verbal confirmation. Okay, now has anybody so, called up Nina and said, Nina, honey, baby, did you talk to, uh, did you talk to uh, Kelvin about the little book that he's writing? Did anybody, has anybody talked to her about it? Well, no, and she's not speaking out from uh, what I've seen. But not. the mayor. Why would I want to? Why would I want to grow a pair and come out and say whether or not <laughs> this guy's lying or this guy's lying? I'm just going to stay here and stay in my cushy job as the ethics advisor because I can do this for the rest of my life and never lose it as long as I don't write a book, right? Right. I mean, listen. She's not going to come out and say one way or the other where she refer, received even received a phone call. Well, and, and the thing is, the mayor does not deny that she communicated with him about this, with, with Cochran about this. So we know that the fire chief at least communicated with them about it. But I think he needed permission from like a panel of people. You know how the government works. You need, sure. a, you need panel permission oh, from someone. And he didn't have that. So that's what, the, that's what the, is at the center of this. But, you know, I really, I really need to read this line because I watched the mayor's press conference about this um, last week. And, and he said this. If we had to make the decision to retain Chief Cochran, folks in the first rescue department who may have been discriminated against in some future occasion would have had a valid case in my mind. But after the fire chief so clearly stated his position on a number of issues, I thought that it created a potential liability for the city. Now, to me, when he admitted that, he basically said that Cochran's public religious views create a liability for the city right. that's a little bit different than what the city's claiming the reason is right that's that's totally different from the book right that's this this right. guy is a this guy is a public figure and he's also known to be an evangelical christian who subscribes to what the bible says about certain types of human behavior not just homosexuality i think that he talks about other things besides homosexuality right so apparently right. apparently he his believing what mainstream evangelical Christians believe, not radical right-wing, not radical, you know, Christ, crystal fascists, right? But actual mainstream evangelical Christians believe is somehow a threat and grounds for lawsuit from people who also work at the fire department? Right, simply because, because he made it public in the book, he, you know, the mayor felt that this put the city at risk. But to me, when you're you're admitting that, you are saying that the religious beliefs are the reason. I mean, yeah. that that actually puts puts the city now at risk of liability. And I would not be surprised. And I'm sure this is going to happen. I know for a fact, in fact, that uh, Chief Cochran has retained a conservative legal firm to work with him. I don't know that they have plans moving forward. There's no announced lawsuit, but it would not surprise me. And I think based on that quote, that he could have a case. So, I mean, you, you don't know anything about a case other than the fact that he has retained counsel. Yeah, Alliance Defending Freedom he's working with. I've spoken with them. I called um, Calvin Cochran at home um, and, and phone stalked him to try to get of an course, interview with him. Of course him. you have. <laughs> now we're going to be sued. 
but he wasn't able to talk. You know, they're, they're not really speaking about this right now, which is understandable. But, you know, I mean, listen, this mayor has made it very clear, and the mayor's name is Kasim Reed, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that. Okay. He's made it very clear that he does not agree with Cochran on this issue, and, and he made that clear months ago. But he also used a Bible verse against him, which I thought was the most entertaining piece of this whole thing. In this press conference, he said, I, too, am a person of deep religious faith. And then he quoted 1 Corinthians 14.40 to say that everything should be done decently and in order. And he basically said that the that the fired chief did not do things decently and in order. And is that, is that I mean, from my understanding of reading, the, reading this story and talking to you, is that that's really the big beef, is that he didn't do it in the right order, right? They're coming out and saying, well, his... His religious views are created a hostile work environment, except for the fact that why you wanted to dismiss him was because he didn't do things the way you told him to do it. No, but right. So at the end of the day, this doesn't seem like a fireable offense to me, right? Like it, it seems like a punish him. You should punish him, right? He deserves some sort of punishment. Now, I'm not in charge. What do I know? But I think when you put in context that quote that I read before, it really does make it a little bit about his religious views that retaining him. I mean, he actually said if we had made the decision to retain Chief Cochran, people would have had a potential case against him. You know, so to me, it's like, well, if you hold that position and you make it public, if you believe in traditional marriage and you make that public, then you, you know, you 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 might make some people uncomfortable. You might be discriminating against them in some way. That to me is really the uncomfortable piece of this. Well, and I I find it enter, entertaining in this sick, demanded sort of way. I went while you while you were speaking. I went and looked up First Corinthians chapter fourteen verse forty on Bible Gateway and looked up the full chapter, and it's all about good order in worship. Did right. you? Did, I mean, did you, I mean? I saw that you've got that verse on there because that's what the verse he quoted, but it doesn't have anything to do with there. There are portions of the Bible that talk about the correct way to discipline each other, the correct way to interact with each other, the way things ought to be done among deacons, among leaders in the church, among you know, religious leaders among people who are pastors and preachers and teachers. There's certain ways you're supposed to do things, right? That's all spelled out in the Bible. But what he quotes is the the quote the, the it's it's a whole like this is good order in worship. What church should be like. Like when you come together, you sing a hymn or a word of instruction, but you know, do things that build up the church, right? And he says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And that's verse forty. Verse thirty nine though it says, Therefore my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything worship. everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Yeah, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way when you're talking about how church is supposed to be done. It's not supposed to be crazy cuckoo, right? There's an order for doing things, and this is, and he's specifically addressing prophecy and speaking in tongues. Wait, Chris, wait a minute. You're saying that 1 Corinthians 14.40 has nothing to do with Atlanta's standards of conduct well, for city employees? I'm, I'm hinting at it. I know. I mean, listen, I thought that was a little bit of a, of a low. And it, now, listen, I sh in the mayor's defense, he was also upset because I think Cochran had allegedly been told, do not speak about this. Do not speak about it until an investigation is complete. In November, they had announced that they were doing an investigation into this. And he did apparently speak out to church groups and, and talk about the case. But listen, at the end of the day, he was fired. And the mayor might claim that that's the reason why. And maybe it is the reason why. But adding that quote that I'm going to continue to bring up because I think it's so important about people feeling offended and, and keeping him being a liability. That makes the issue about the religious viewpoint. And I think that is, that's going to be a problem for them. Oh, excuse me. Apparently we have a phone call. There's a phone call coming in. Hello? Oh, here it comes. Here it comes again. Oh, just a minute. Just a minute. 
Someone's, someone's calling the studio phone line. Hello? Hello? Oh, Billy, it's the mayor of Atlanta. Hello, Mayor of Atlanta. How are you today? Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to know. You know, what what's the real reason that you fired Chief Cochran? Well, he was speaking in tongues. He was speaking in tongues at the uh, at the fire station. Oh, so it really did have something to do with. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, 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 no. I I totally agree with him on homosexuality. I think he's right on on the homosexuality front, and uh, and I think that he has spot on on some of his criticisms of the city. Uh, my problem was my problem was he was speaking in tongues at the fire station. Nobody could understand where it was they were supposed to be going. So uh, that's so that was it. <laughs> but you know, I mean, can you can you explain to me what you were saying when you said if, if you had made the decision to retain him? That I, I really, I really, uh, I really have no idea what I was talking about. I just gotten off a three martini lunch. <laughs> I really don't know what I was saying. <laughs> so, uh, uh, thanks for letting me clear the. Uh, thanks for letting me clear the. Uh, Well, that was nice of the mayor to call in. Really nice of him to call in. I mean, this gosh, is a, I'm glad we got clarification. This is the so stupidest this. show ever recorded. <laughs> I hope you're having a good time because I'm having a blast. Wait, I feel like such an idiot. Lunch, that was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, well, you know. Oh. Can, can Nina Hickson call in next, please? Excuse me, is this Nina Hicks? This is, uh, this is Nina Hicks. Nina, hi, yes. I'm, I'm Billy Hollowell with the, with the church. Yeah, you've left like 17 messages for me. I did, Nina, because I was curious to know, you know, I'm, I'm covering the story about Chief Cochran, and I wanted to know, um, you know, what, what actually happened with him? Did he actually meet with you to talk about the book? If you may recall the title, it's hard to remember. Who told you that you are naked? Did he talk to you about that project before he published? <laughs> Was this a three martini lunch? getting close to the end of the show we better take a break real quick and then we'll come back and finish up this <laughs> this circus <laughs> okay let's uh i'll take a break Welcome back to the Church Boys. It's Billy Hollowell. I'm here with Chris Field, uh, and uh, we are still recovering from the last segment in which. Those are great. 
<laughs> we had some guest callers uh, calling in to inform us a little calling. bit more about our, our story. Uh-huh. All right. So. <clears throat> How you feeling, Chris? I'm doing all right. I'm recovering. I was telling you during the break, I was, I'm sweating like a banshee. And it's because well, you I was, know, I mean, you were you were acting was, very difficult roles, Academy Award winning roles. I was laughing like a like a four year old. All right, go. Let's uh. So we finish up this church boys or that church boys. Oh my gosh, we finish up the fire chief story. So what's uh what's next on your plate? Because I again, Billy Hallowell here. He's the uh, he's the faith editor. He's the actual respectable one among the duo. I just sit here and operate the board and <laughs> push buttons. <laughs> And take phone calls. And take, and take phone Listen, calls. Listen, the next story I think we have to cover. We we do not have a choice because I think it's it's so entertaining and bizarre and fascinating all at the same time. Is this story about this after school program, which is called the Good News Club? It's a well known after school program in okay. public schools across the country. Right. There is a school in Rochester, New York, in the suburbs of Rochester, Fairbanks Road Elementary School in Churchville, New York. They have had this club running. I'm not sure for how long. But long enough for atheists to find out about it and to apparently accuse, and I want everybody to hold their laughter on this one because I just can't even believe that, that this is the accusation, but accuse the Good News Club of psychological abuse of children um, in the way in which they share the gospel. They share Christianity with these kids talking about heaven and hell. Anyway, long story short, Good News Club meets on Fridays. They end up you know, teaching kids very great things about the Bible, about their faith. Atheists and it's not a school-backed program. No, no, no. That's right. an important fact. It's Let's not a school-backed program. It's an after-school totally disassociated from the school and totally legal. This is perfectly fine to do unless you're in New York City in which it's a bizarro world where you can't do anything like this. But in, in normal world around the country, you are allowed to have this program. Now, atheists upset in the community created their own organization. Embrace yourself. It's called the Better News Club. And a bunch of, news club. Okay, I don't think I have to believe it. What a bunch of douchebags. <laughs> now, the Better News Club is funding. I shouldn't now, say that on a church show, should I? I don't know. I mean, okay, you know, we're sorry. all human. We all sorry. sin. So we'll count that as a sin. It's an accident. No, an accident. An accident and a sin. Those are two sometimes different things. But <laughs> in, this, in this case, uh, the atheists have launched their own secular club, and it's called the Young Skeptics. So the Better News Club has launched the Young Skeptics, and they're claiming it's not an atheist club, but it's going to be in the Fairbanks Road Elementary School, just like the Good News Club. It's going to start this Thursday, actually this week, um, and I don't exactly know what the kids are going to be doing there, but apparently it will have nothing to do with the Bible. Oh, good. We wouldn't want children reading the Bible. <laughs> now, I mean, listen... If, if atheists want to have a skeptics club, they have every right to do it, just like the Christians have the right to have their club. Um, I think here where it sort of rubs me the wrong way is that it's it's a reaction to the Christian club. And when you're waging an accusation like psychological abuse, I, I think that's just – I mean, I, listen, maybe this particular good news club is, is not very good. I don't know, but I don't think so. I think this is an unfair allegation probably, and – you know, starting a group called the Better News Club, that just seems unneeded. And that's what and that's what the, where the atheists really mess up. And it's not just in their message where they mess up as far as like there is no God. I mean, yeah, atheists, I mean, have a whole listen to Ravi Zacharias talk about atheists and how how oxymoronic their name is in the first place, right? But so what? Okay, so if you're one of the godless, if you're one of the atheists or agnostic or whatever, fine, that's that's your thing. That's you you get to believe that. If that's where you want to live, then that's where you want to live. That's fine. But atheists come out and they 
they do what 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 a lot of people criticized and maybe rightfully so Christians evangelicals of doing way too much of in the 50s through the you know early 90s and that's like you think you're better than everybody else and you have to lecture everybody and fix everybody's problems and atheists spend all of their time talking about how stupid Christians are and how stupid religious people are and I think that you look back at the history of mankind and you look some of the smartest people to have ever lived were also highly religious people they're people who believed in God believed in a higher power a lot of them Christian whether Catholic or Protestant and I don't understand the tactics that the uh, that the atheist left, especially the atheist lefties, but even the atheists on the right and libertarian atheists, they just get nasty about the whole thing. Well, I mean, listen, nobody wants to be told that they're wrong, and nobody wants to be told that they're accountable to God, right? And so I think, you know, listen, again, they have every right to do it. They have every right to have their club, just like we have a right to say maybe their tactics are wrong and maybe they need to readjust their tactics uh, a little bit. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I just I think it's entertaining, right. to say the least. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's been about that. It's about that time. It's about time to head out. Uh, I know y'all are very broken hearted about the fact that we're signing off here. And you know, where the where the atheists are actually probably partly right in the is that a lot of these Christian type, churchy type people can do a lot of psychological harm. And if you listen to the last forty minutes of our show, <laughs> the atheists have case has been made. They didn't even have to say a word. You and I made the case for it. Well, I You're made so the case right. for them. <laughs> All right, it's uh, enough giggling, enough stupidity, enough nonsense. We're going to go ahead and sign out here. Billy, any, any words of wisdom for anybody? Uh, read your Bible and uh, oh, watch. Uh, <laughs> this isn't the Jesus God Bible show. Well, I was leading into read the blaze, too. <laughs> okay, yeah. read the Bible I mean, read and, the Bible and the blaze. In that order? Uh, yes. God, this is such a stupid <laughs> show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, check us out again, facebook.com slash thechurchboys, and uh, we will see you later. See you later. Church Boy.